Hello everybody, my name is Timo Vorenslau. I'm a director of an awesome film about the Nazis from the dark side of the moon called Iron Sky. And you are listening to Jonathanment. Hello everyone, welcome to Jonathanment. If you happen to be new to the show, Genre Tame is part of the Sci-Fi Pulse Radio.com network, and we're your hosts, Marks. And Julie. Genre Tame is where we talk about what's happening in the world of film, TV, books, and web series. We give you interviews with writers, directors, producers, and actors in both independent and not-quite-so-independent creations. This is episode 124, and this time our guests are Jeffrey Michael Bays and Jay Plyburn. They're here to tell us about their new film, Not From Space, a sci-fi comedy film about a dysfunctional cable news channel on the day aliens arrive in orbit. Writer and producer Jeffrey Michael Bays, a.k.a. The Hitchcock Whisperer, is a filmmaker and film scholar with a Master of Arts in Cinema. He's also the author of Suspense with a Camera and Between the Scenes. Now, actor and producer Jay Plyburn is a broadcast journalist graduate of Marshall University and was a morning news anchor. Now, he's producing and developing a variety of TV and film projects. Jeffrey and Jay tell us how this story originally towed on the radio has made the transition to film, and also about the fun crowdfunding program they currently have underway. Mm-hmm. We talk about the film, the crowdfunding campaign, Hitchcock, journalism, and much more. Now, before we get started with the interview, we should mention that the music you hear at the start and at the end of the show is from our friend Tishan Hardy. He composed the theme song for our web series, Reality on Demand. Now let's get started with the interview. information we have um, uh, just the fact that it crashed and we don't know where it came from. Points the way to a population that was perhaps spread throughout the solar system. The president making an announcement there that he has called the world leaders to the United Nations, a move which brings nations small and large to the table. Well, welcome, Jeffrey and Jay, to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We have you guys on to talk about your upcoming project, Not From Space. Can, can you guys tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah, Not From Space is um, it's, uh, it's a first contact movie. It's a feature-length film. It's sci-fi. Um, it's about the day that aliens arrive. Um, <laughs> Uh, which that, you know, that there's a lot of movies like that, right? <laughs> but what makes this one unique and different is that the whole movie is a news channel. So the entire length of the film is as if you're watching a news channel. At first, nobody takes it seriously. So, you know, there's just kind of a normal day, a normal, you know, events and conspiracy and uh, news frenzy that's happening that morning. And uh, somebody discovers uh, ancient artifacts at the South Pole. Nobody sees it as a big deal. And uh, so it's in the middle of the film that the, uh, the alien ship crashes into a farm field. So then at that point, nobody can deny it because it's, it's live on TV. So it's live coverage of this uh, spaceship that has crashed and we have a live shot of it. So then finally everyone is forced to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it starts out as a comedy. There, it's very satirical all the way through, but the alien part of it is taken seriously. Mm-hmm. As it should be. I mean, I try to think of how we would respond if aliens were to land at any moment, and uh, this, is no, this is no joking matter here we're discussing. Yeah. So this project originally was a radio drama, correct? 
Yeah, that's right. It was on XM Satellite Radio uh, starting in 2003. It was a, they uh, broadcast it as a Halloween special. Oh, cool. And then so every Halloween they uh, repeated it uh, several times um, up until the uh, merger with Sirius. And then they, you know, they changed their programming there and, and uh, stopped doing audio theater. So unfortunately, got lost in the mix there. But uh, did very well. It was very popular. It was kind of a, had kind of a cult following for a while. And this was before Facebook and Twitter. So unfortunately, now it, it has to find a new audience uh, because uh, there is, you know, there is no that that original fan base um, hasn't yet found it on Twitter and Facebook. Mm-hmm. So this movie, we're building it from the ground up. We're sh- kind of shooting this kind of like a documentary. So we're collecting uh, scenes throughout the year and then uh, eventually building up to this uh, final uh, new studio scene that'll finish it off because half of it is in the new studio. Mm-hmm. And so the other half is, you know, it's B-roll and press conferences. And uh, we also have commercials in the middle of it. It's uh, <laughs> fictional sponsors. Uh-huh. Uh, so really uh, trying to make it as realistic as possible as if it's a news broadcast, uh, because we really want to bring people into this world and and believe that, that it's actually happening. And then what happens is that the aliens take over the broadcast. Uh-huh. And... Uh, the aliens uh, say that everything you've just heard is 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 not true, and so there's this moment of you're questioning what is what you've been watching, and so that's it's kind of like um, it kind of speaks to that fake news thing that's <laughs> that's been going on yeah. recently. Was the story always told that way in the radio drama? Was it told partially in clips like that, or did you make did you make any big changes plot structure wise? making the move from audio only to, to visual? Well, actually, um, there's it's pretty similar. Uh, the original radio broadcast was as if it was a news channel mm-hmm. as well, as if it was a live news broadcast. Um, so it's it's a full day of, of news condensed into about two hours. So you you've, it feels like uh, you've experienced an entire day. But through tricks of timing and things like that, we uh, make it uh, shorter. But uh, the only difference is really, um, well, there are a lot of differences, but as to the story, we've added a few characters. We've added a weatherman uh, to the morning show um, uh, because that is really important in TV news, right, Jay? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, get, you know, people, I think most people watch the news to figure out what the weather's going to be. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So we had to have a weatherman in there. Uh-huh. So, so what part does Jay play in this? Is he the weatherman, or is he? Well, so I, 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 I <laughs> quite. It's been a series of upgrades for me from day one. I, I actually come from. Um, I have a degree in broadcast journalism and and worked as a news reporter and eventually news anchor for the better part of ten years. Uh, and then just um, about six months ago, decided to to fully invest my time in pursuing more TV and film opportunities from an entertainment perspective. So so moved to Atlanta, which is now a hub for productions in the entertainment industry. But I, I'm very familiar with TV news, having done that for, like I said, about nine years. And when I first saw this this post online that he was he was casting different different roles, I actually submitted for a Bill Clinton lookalike, confusing what I saw with 
a Bill Clinton impersonation. I do somewhat of a Clinton impersonation. So I thought, oh, this would be a great, a great time to use my impersonation skills. And that's not what they were looking for at all. They were looking for a lookalike. And as it is, I don't actually think I look anything like Bill Clinton. But in talking to Jeffrey, quickly found out there were there was a bigger part for me in this film because of my uh, my degree and my my knowledge and my experience in the news. So I became the White House news correspondent, the coveted position, and it's a it's a big part of the film. So that was an exciting transition for me. And then I got to to kind of take part, like a lot of people did, filming my part in front of a green screen and kind of being directed by Jeffrey remotely. He was in a totally different state, but telling me here's here's how I want it to be set up, and you know make sure you shoot some behind the scenes footage and everything. And so I really had a lot of fun with this process and, and got the script a few months ago and thought it was great. And, and then I guess my role has kind of expanded again because it looks like we're now going to do some production in Atlanta where I live, maybe some of the, the newsroom scenes, certainly a press conference scene. That's, that's a pivotal point in the script. And so I don't know what, what, what is my title now, Jeffrey, a, a producer of sorts, uh, a liaison in the uh, the the Georgia, the Atlanta district, or something of the sort. <laughs> yes, all of that. That sounds good. Um, yeah, so perfect. he's he's helping us produce uh, some press conference scenes. There's ten minutes worth of press conferences in this movie, and it's NASA and it's Pentagon. And the fun part about this is that they don't agree, so they're having competing press conferences, refuting what each other says. <laughs> so <laughs> the Pentagon says something and then NASA has to put together a conference to say, no, that's totally wrong. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and then the Pentagon comes back and says, no, NASA's wrong. <laughs> and so it, that, that's, that's where the fun comes in. seems like a lot so, of truth to that part of the yeah, story as yeah, well. It seems to be happening a lot <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> so Jay mentioned the green screening. We did that for 20 uh, actors already so this really is a global production uh, a lot of it produced online 14 um, news correspondent and pundit roles those have already been finished via green screen and then we have a we do a wall street balcony scene mm -hmm. uh, where there's people waving um, at, on wall street during the uh, opening bell and so what we've done is we've collected different people waving uh, and clapping. Uh, so we've got about 10 people that have green screened themselves into that. Uh, and we're constantly adding more people. So by the end of it, we may have 20 people <laughs> composited into that shot. So that's, that's kind of cool. But you know, the production, it brings people together. And so the scene that we're crowdfunding now is the, the core moment, the, the big event where the, the spaceship crashes and so we have a crowd that starts to gather to see, you know, what's going on. And so we're actually inviting people to come and watch. We're, we're actually staging this in a public place and inviting the public to come watch us film this 20-minute uh, first contact scene. So that's what we're raising money for on Indiegogo. If you go to Indiegogo and search for Not From Space, you can find it pretty easily. And uh, we appreciate all donations, any, any amount. Uh, small amounts are good. Big amounts are obviously good as well. And the top donors will actually get to come to Missouri and ride in the presidential motorcade and be in the movie and participate in the first contact scene. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Now, you also, uh, revenue from the film, you're going to do donations to, or how's that working? I saw something about that. Yeah, um, after the film is released, uh, we're donating proceeds to charities like Direct Relief, Oxfam, and UNICEF, mm-hmm. because the story itself, it's about greed, it's about human greed, and and, and the premise is that, you know, uh, this is the big thing that humans are going to have to face when... Uh, when aliens show up, uh, is uh, our tendency toward greediness. <laughs> um, so it felt like a good idea to donate proceeds of the film to help feed impoverished parts of the world because we uh, there is a, a hunger crisis in the world right now. One in nine people on the planet are hungry, and those organizations are on the front lines. Uh, so we're donating proceeds of the film when it's finally finished and released. Uh, to them. Mm-hmm. So it's for a good cause. Yeah, I think that's great. So Jay, since Jay has that journalism background, whenever you came on board, was there anything that you saw in the script from a journalistic perspective that you were able to add or or, tw- or suge- make suggestions to from, from your personal experience? Not, not the script itself necessarily. Um, you know, I think when it came time for me to shoot my part in front of the green screen, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain I had a better idea of how it should look and sound than some of the other tried and true actors, per se, who, you know, get, getting in front of a green screen is tricky, and um, trying to give a news report, a believable news report, there's a, a real science to that, making it believable, especially if you're going to be reading from a teleprompter or trying to relay information. It's it's not it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, like like people might think especially if you if you take into consideration the the magnitude of this story we're telling you know in, in one case uh in, in one scene in particular it seems like we're under attack and and the the um spacecraft is flying overhead and i have to kind of duck for cover so you know from a, from an acting standpoint it's it's fun to try and get in that mindset but then to also think about it to try and and make it real as if okay what how would I respond if if this were happening, if I were in some war zone of sorts um, and and really had to take cover. And there are people out there who who deal with that. You know, we have we have correspondents in, in other countries who are in war torn areas. And and so it's not that far fetched that the general premise of all this. So I got to have a lot of fun with that. And I think bring my own sort of expertise, if you will, to the table when it when it came to shooting the scenes. Of course, it was funny. I, I had actually gotten an object that had before this one forced me to to not shave my head but get the closest haircut i've ever had in my life so we had to wait for the hair to grow out a little bit before i looked like a legitimate news reporter again um thank you jeffrey for your patience with that whole process but uh but we finally got it done and um no i, I don't think any of the script needed changed i just kind of needed to to make it my own when i when i got a chance to do the scenes and thankfully Jeffrey was pleased with what he saw and, and you know, it's, it's in the trailer now and it all looks really good. And I'm just excited about the whole process. Great. And see, that's a marks. That's an insight that nobody else would think about mm-hmm. that a, a legitimate news reporter does not have short hair on the sides. Now, see, I would have never thought of that, but Jay knows, see, well, <laughs> somehow and, and it, it goes, it, <laughs> It goes even deeper than that. See, there are some trendy haircuts now that they, you know, some of these news anchors, news reporters do have it shaved close on the sides. But 
we're setting this in the nineties, correct? When right, yeah, we're a bit different. Um, so to try and be, to try and make it look realistic from the the time stamp, yeah, it wouldn't. I would not have fit the bill. People would have called me out immediately. So bushy sides are are a sign of uh, what is it? Intellect or uh, professionalism? How does how does that work? <laughs> yeah, right. I know. <laughs> so see, it's insights like that he brings to the table. And so when we actually get to our morning show, I'm really excited about that because mm-hmm. um, he he's he's actually been in a morning show for many years. So he's going to be yeah. uh, giving us inside information. Awesome. I'm excited about that. <laughs> I know it's a little bit of a different world sometimes. I was a, I worked in ABC affiliate station for a little while as a internet news producer, but I would get pulled in to do camera or teleprompter sometimes. So teleprompter is always a little nerve wracking because you're always like, am I going too fast? Am I going too slow? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. That's what pe- most people don't know. Usually I think nine out of 10 times if, if an anchor is like kind of stumbling over the words or kind of pausing, it's because the teleprompter fell behind or something. <laughs> um, Silly teleprompter. <laughs> so with the crowdfunding, crowdsourcing, I think it's great how you're using that. Is there any tip you would share that you've learned, picked up doing this for someone who might think about doing crowdfunding? You know, I no. Um, we're still learning. <laughs> you're still uh, learning. It's not done yet, right? So. <laughs> Right. We have a couple of weeks left. Uh, it, it's tough. Everybody always says it's tough, but uh, until you get uh, your feet in it and uh, experience it, uh, yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> That's true. It is tough. Uh, this is the first uh, crowdfunding I've ever done. Mm-hmm. They say the important thing is to uh, get people involved early um, and, and put together a team of because it's all about publicity, right? And what what we find is that it's trying to break through the uh, the noise because everybody has a film, everybody has a sci-fi movie. Uh, so trying to uh, break through and get attention among everyone else that that's the tough part, I think. I like how you're giving people opportunity to, to participate in the in the different scenes. I think that's a great way to get uh, people excited and and part of the. The crowd is <laughs> a marketing tool also. Yeah. Um, so some people call you Hitchcock Whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it says on my book. I don't know if that's <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> but yes, I, I, uh, I teach uh, suspense techniques and my book Suspense with a Camera. It just came out in October. So uh, that's doing really well. And what I do is I teach workshops uh, to filmmakers and screenwriters on how to how to incorporate suspense into their films and uh, teaching them, you know, how to bring their audience in because it's really all about connecting with the audience and uh, giving the audience an experience instead of just being a passive uh, viewer. That's great. And so there's a lot of things that Hitchcock did, and uh, so we kind of boil it all down into uh, uh, simplistic terms and 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 ways that you can uh, do that in your film. And in fact, not from space is. Uh, it's going to be using a lot of those techniques. So uh, uh, not only is it sci-fi and comedy, but it is going to be pretty suspenseful too, by the way. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about that, if you pulled any Hitchcock tricks for this production. So, <laughs> Well, you know, you can imagine Hitchcock didn't do any sci-fi. No. Like, unless if well, you count the birds, yeah. the birds might be kind of sci-fi. 
but uh, if he would have done an alien invasion movie, what would he have done? Because he would have found some unique way to do it um, that would have been different than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he would have been he would have been very interested in this concept of doing a live broadcast for two hours. Yeah, for sure. Because the, a- the thing about it is the thing that makes it difficult. Sorry is that uh, there's a tendency f- to want to go behind the scenes and to follow characters kind of like the newsroom does on HBO mm-hmm. or something like that. We don't do that. We never get we never get to uh, follow uh, the characters behind the scenes. So any kind of drama that happens, it has to be live on the air. Mm-hmm. And so there's this kind of, uh, they kind of hold back. So it's very subtle. But, uh, yeah, we found a way to make it work. So, Well, and that's one of the things that I, that I really like about the scripts. You, know, you don't get to see the, uh, what happens in the newsroom and stuff like you do on these um, fictional-type shows. But th- this is more like a real broadcast. What you, what you turn on the TV, you know, what you see is what you get. And there is no shortage of drama in front of the camera at any given time and, uh, on a news set between between co-anchors or reporters in the field and, and all this, a lot of time you're not really privy to it, but speaking from a news perspective, it's, it's happening. And, you know, one of the things I learned in TV news is the viewers love a peek behind the scenes, not, not a, a literal take the camera into the newsroom, but there's something about the chaos that ensues during breaking news that the viewers really get a rush from. If, if a news anchor you know, puts their, their finger to their ear and, and, and breaks sentence and says, hold on a second, we're getting information, people love that. There's something very dramatic about knowing that something is happening in the moment, right then, hey, this guy's getting updates, this is new, this is fresh, this is, this is, um, this is fluid, and it's, and it's changing. Um, the viewers really smooth air it just it just cannot be polished when you're dealing with live television though and so i think this uh this script that jeffrey's come up with is uh is a good representation of weapons script and an alien encounter um but i think it i think it speaks to what people really looking for when they turn on themselves. And then I guess a percentage of people who they they want to see the polished news anchor and they want everything to be smooth. But I don't think of people. I think they like seeing kind of a chaotic situation. And you know, we, we know that people love watching live coverage of different events and everything. And so um, I think this really encapsulates a, a great broadcast as everything is playing out and it's as if okay the anchors don't know what's going on. The reporters don't know what's going on. They're getting information and they're giving it to us. But what's going to happen next? And I think that's where the whole suspenseful aspect of it comes in. And also, we we work that in too because it's supposed to be the first day of broadcast, and they're not ready. Uh, oh. So there's a lot of technical problems that happen in the first half of the film that are kind of uh, used as comic effect. People not hearing their cues and things like that. And uh, oh, okay. we'll have an an anchor uh, doing her hair uh, in the camera uh, as if it's a mirror. Uh, not realizing she's on the air, uh, just, uh, and, and green screen's not working. The weatherman uh, doesn't get his weather map working, and then dealing with people looking in the window in the backdrop uh, <laughs> during the live show. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of uh, kind of awkward quirkiness that we bring into the 
to the storytelling uh, to kind of give you that live feel uh-huh. as great. well. <laughs> uh, and everybody thinks about Hitchcock as suspense only, but Hitchcock had humor mixed in his stuff too. So, absolutely, um, everything about his work is humor. Um, he 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 even said that Psycho was a practical joke. Uh, <laughs> he was he was quite the prankster uh, in real life, actually. Uh, and it really shows throughout most of his, his films. I, there's, especially in his earlier works, it's very comedic. Murder scenes are treated as, as kind of funny. So, and if you've watched Trouble with Harry, uh, that's one of his uh, best comedic works. Lots of humor there. So, absolutely. Well, the project sounds really great. I wish you guys the best of luck. And we're going to help spread the word for you. Uh, I hope all of our listeners... Can uh, if they find this interesting, go click over to the Indiegogo uh, site. Um, so before you guys go, can you uh, tell everybody again where they can find you, both any individual projects you have, plus of course not from space. Well, the movie has a Twitter account, Dairy Cola at Dairy Cola. Um, that's a character in the film, by the way. It's one of the fictional sponsors uh, that uh, <laughs> becomes a problem. Uh, you'll know what that means when you actually. Uh, here the original broadcast and my twitter account is at borgus film and we have a production page which is borgus.com slash nfs and uh, that also leads to our indiegogo page which is um, you know just search for not from space on indiegogo all right and you can and you can I'm, oh i was just gonna say yeah I'm, uh, this is this is one of a couple projects i'm involved with right now so if anybody wants to keep up with me uh last name is plyburn I the easiest way I can tell people is it's like it's like plywood burning ply burn and that's weird but uh, that's my last name so yeah I'm on all social media outlets and um, open to continue pushing forward with this one and have some some success and have some fun with with not from space well good luck and thank you so much for uh, being on the show yeah thank, thank you. you but the question is where did they go. Hey everybody, this is Jamin Winans, the director of Ink and the Frame, and this is Genretainment. Well, thanks to Jeffrey and Jay for taking the time to tell us about Not From Space. Sorry I wasn't able to join Marks in the interview. Now please check out their Indiegogo campaign if you are interested in supporting the film, and we will have all of the links mentioned in the show notes. So that's it for today's episode of Genretainment. Before we go, we want to remind you that you can always keep track of us by subscribing to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or by following our Genretainment Facebook page, my Twitter account, which is at Mr. Marks, clicking over to Genretainment.com, or just follow all of the shows at SciFiPulseRadio.com. We'll be back soon with all new guests from our favorite films, TV shows, novels, and web series. Genretainment is a production of Alien Jungle Bug Productions. Until Until next time. time. Monkey.